Welcome to the Network as a Service Journey podcast series hosted on Government Technology Insider. I'm your host, Matt Langan. In the first stage of an agency's transformation journey with Network as a Service, the networks are centralized and on-premises with rigid and physical resource-intensive networks. At step one in the transformation, the goal is to reduce the strain on IT staff and amplify IT management. This will help the network to perform efficiently and securely. Next, the agency will begin to progress towards greater visibility and automation. And in our first podcast in the series, we are joined by Brett Bargans, who is a product manager at Verizon, and Scott Anderson, who is a distinguished solution architect at Verizon, who will be discussing this first phase with us. And Brett and Scott, thanks for joining us today. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Matt. Truly appreciate it. Yeah, well, Brett, let's go ahead and kick it off, actually, if you don't mind. Tell us about the first step. I know I gave a little bit of a summary there, but I know there's much more to it. Would love to hear your take on that. Yeah, absolutely. So just to give a little bit of background, step one, we call basic, and step two, we call efficient, basic network and an efficient network. So what does a basic network look like? For connectivity, we're talking physical switches and routers or what you might call customer premise equipment. Probably have four-year connection internet dedicated services, or perhaps private IP, what's known as multi-protocol label switching. For management, likely a customer managed network. Security, it's going to be perimeter defense, physical firewalls, and maybe antivirus on your different endpoints. Visibility, maybe you're doing network performance monitoring and diagnostics, nothing too sophisticated. And then for automation, very limited, if any, automation. And then the step up to efficient, you'd be looking at Ethernet or optical wave services for your long distance transport, private connections through your cloud interconnect or software defined interconnect, or even co location with cloud service provider, perhaps using wireless backup, long term evolution, or 5G possibly for your connectivity. For management, you may have engaged in a partner to manage your wide area network, your local area network, or even your wireless local area network or Wi Fi. For security, you've probably moved from antivirus onto endpoint detection and response. So not only detecting threats now, but responding to them immediately. Probably moved on from firewall to inter- intrusion prevention systems. You're looking at contents of your internet traffic to determine whether or not to prevent or allow. And then you're probably looking at using a security information and event management system or a SIEM system to keep track of all the log information that your endpoints and network devices are given off. Try and correlate those. See uh, if you have any threats popping up from here from different areas. Network traffic analysis for visibility. So moving up a step from just the performance monitoring. And then for automation, you might start to be using APIs with your management vendor for incidents, communication back and forth, provisioning, and also for policy management. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Brett. Sorry. Did you have anything more to add to that, right? To that one? I know there's a lot to cover, but uh, did I cut you off there? No, sir. No. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Well, let's move on. If you don't mind, this question is for you, Brett, to start as well. Do you mind explaining the challenges associated with internal facing on-premises physical networks that are bound to aging hardware and infrastructure? Sure. And I'm sure that many of our enterprise IT colleagues are very familiar with these themselves. So physical networks require multiple devices, firewall switches, routers, other things like that, and refresh cycles, challenges we can overcome with network function virtualization down the road. Physical networks also require updates on and possibly movement of individual devices for network modifications. So challenges we can overcome with software-defined networking. And they can both make networks difficult to manage, update, and especially to scale and secure. And they can make it difficult to integrate with your information technology service management systems, for example, a a ServiceNow or something like that. So all the challenges we can overcome, but uh, problem 
challenges you'll see in a basic network and opportunities for network performance, visibility, and automation are going to be very limited. So those are some of the challenges, Matt. Great. Thanks, Brett. Scott, anything to add to that one? Yeah, if I can, I'd like to add a little color commentary. I'm the kind of the John Madden of the podcast. I'm the guy that says the wild stuff. But basically, you know, if we think about networks and, and we think about customers still in the basic realities, they probably designed their network in some cases as early as the mid-90s, and they were designed a specific way. And I know, having talked to many, many infrastructure architects in the U.S. federal government, as well as many commercial infrastructure architects, they don't like this name, but they agree it's right. Networks were designed as Tootsie Pops. Now, we all remember Tootsie Pops from when we were kids. Fun sucker, right? You get that stick, you get that Tootsie Pop, and then you go to the owl and you say, how many licks to get to the center? And the owl says three and then crunches your Tootsie Pop. Well, the reality of that Tootsie Pop is that was the outer shell. You heard Brett mention that, right? The customer has an outer shell. That's the Tootsie Pop. The problem is in the evolution of IT, beginning with the revolution that is now called cloud back in 2011, that Tootsie Pop changed. So the goal of a Tootsie Pop originally was we're going to put that nice, soft, chewy Tootsie Roll right in the center of our network. And if you think about network designs, often called mesh or often called ring topologies, where the network basically ultimately all points to one place or, or maybe you know, regional data centers or regional locations. But for all intents and purposes, all the traffic was inward facing. Everybody was rushing to the center. Then in about 2011, the cloud started to take off and somebody came up with the bright idea of taking my Tootsie Roll and putting it outside of my Tootsie Pop. So now suddenly the soft, chewy center of my network is sitting out in the cloud provider. Now I'm not going to argue and I, you know, I don't believe that it is necessary to even talk about the fact that a cloud service provider likely has better security than most enterprise organizations do. The reason being they're attacked constantly never-ending attacks, and they fend them off. So they're used to it, they understand it. So it's not a security issue. It's actually a traffic reversal issue because the original problem, that shifting of the Tootsie Roll to the outside world, was met with a lot of people screaming, oh my God, it's not secure, it's not secure, it's not secure. Ultimately, security wasn't the problem. The problem was that they reversed the flow of the network. So I grew up, and I was actually born in the city of Chicago. And the city of Chicago is perhaps most famous for that Green River. Wow, it's coming up in just a few days, actually, that flows through downtown. But if you look at that Green River, it does something unusual. Normally, rivers flow from the highlands to the water source. And the Chicago River actually intersects and ends up in the Lake Michigan area. But the Chicago River flows the other way, which actually was man-made in reverse. They reversed the traffic of the river. Well, what that did is it caused a different problem if the river or, you know, the flowing banks of the river and the flowing water of the river. You had to be very careful because they reversed the flow, they reversed the flooding. And that's the problem that all these organizations experience now. They've reversed the flow of their network and they really don't have, you know, a plan to go forward, a structure to help them get out of this new paradigm that they've created, the reverse flow network. So that, you know, that's kind of step one, step part one, problem one. The other side of it is those pesky network people just kept inventing newer and better solutions. 
So if you go back into the dawn of time, you know, we had this thing called token ring and token rings had this wonderful little thing called a ring. There were a certain number of devices on a ring. And if you got one more device on that ring, the ring beaconed and all the other devices were knocked off and, you know, had to rejoin. From that became Ethernet and Ethernet expanded. And all of a sudden now you've got, you know, greater capacity. You've got more ability to functionally flow information. However, and again, as Brett pointed out, you know, in the basic world, it's not automated. It's all manual. And routers get out of date. Cisco and Juniper and the other router manufacturers release all sorts of updates to their devices. And just like your computer and your phone, you know, it's highly recommended that you update your router the minute the patch comes out. Now, maybe, you know, organizationally, you know, you have an ITSM infrastructure and you know, you have a change management system. And then that's just cool. If it takes a couple of days to implement the change, you know, two days of vulnerability is not bad. But the reality for these organizations in this space is that's a manual process. So when you start talking about a large organization that may have 1,500 routers for 1,500 unique and distinct locations, that is not a one-night manual upgrade process. And manual is a relative term at that point. You know, you're looking at structurally, you have systems in place and processes in place and software that will help you do the upgrades, but you're still talking 1,500 machines and likely that's not going to happen in one night, likely not in two nights, likely it's going to take seven or eight. So instead of a two-day opening to be vulnerable, you're going to end up with an eight to 10-day vulnerability window, which you know is likely increases your reality. So the pain for customers in that basic state is they aren't, and then again, going back to what Brett said, they aren't automated. They're managing that hardware and that equipment. They're trying to do all of the components themselves. So I'll end with this one last kind of you know story. You know, many years ago, I was working with a customer and I had a solution to their problem. And the customer said, why should I buy it from you? It's expensive. Why should I get it from you? It's, you know, it costs more than what I want to pay. And I reminded the customer because I work for the company that makes it. And if anybody knows how to better solve the problems of what's going on, it's the company that makes it. And so when you think about the solution for a customer in the basic world, it's to begin to move to accepting that you may need help. You may need someone to step in and guide your organization to provide that high level of both technology, but also guidance. And finally, and probably the most important thing, you know, been there, done that experience. So when we think about the concept of IT and the concept of basic, moving to the next tier involves accepting that maybe you can use some help. Oh, no, that's great. I love all those analogies, too. That just paints a perfect picture and um, certainly helps our readers and listeners completely understand the challenges and the changes that have happened. And then, you know, when it comes to these challenges, what are the ways that agencies can actually overcome them? And again, we'll start with Brett. Yes, good question. So I mentioned a couple of them, but I'll give a little bit more detail. Network function virtualization or NFV. We can move network functions for example, your firewall, your switches, your routers, onto what we call universal CPE or customer premise equipment that can basically host multiple functions through virtual machines or even host those platforms 
off your premise, right? So we can virtualize those functions and put them onto one machine on-premise, or we can host them for you. So that way we can, just like with all virtual machines, better utilize your hardware and reduce the number of devices you have to refresh, if any, right? Also, the other thing I mentioned, software-defined networking, the revolution in networking. Essentially, what that is is laying down a virtualized control management orchestration layer on top of your network devices, which allows them to be centrally modified and managed with some logic still on the devices themselves, but most of the logic on centralized servers, which makes updating them, securing them, and scaling your network a lot easier. Both of these start to open the door to improve network performance visibility, so being able to see what's happening on your network and how it's performing and automating certain functions on it, and also allow you to integrate with your IT service management system, for example, a ServiceNow or something like that, to a greater extent. So that's basically the high-level overview of how to progress towards overcoming these challenges. But Scott may have uh, additional color data as well. Awesome. Yeah, Scott, would love to hear your take. Yeah, well, I mean, and Brett hits a really cool points, right? You know, the software-defined network is going to be structurally a lot more effective for an organization. So, you know, the value proposition, let's say, as a customer, you know, you've suddenly got a lot of remote workers. I don't know, say some kind of pandemic maybe. And your workers are working from home. Well, when workers work from home, your network is different than when they sit at the desk. And in particular, it's more likely that they are connecting to your network to connect to an external collaboration source, such as Google's G Suite or Office 365. Based on that, it becomes a little bit more critical to have that software-defined network because what the software-defined network can do is say, okay, the CEO of our organization or the secretary of our government agency or the governor of our state or the president of the United States wants to have a one-to-many conference call. You know, those guys often talk about, you know, one to 25 or 30,000 of their closest friends. So that one-to-many conference call becomes critical. Well, with a software-defined network, the thing that you can do, the value proposition that you have is you can literally go back to each of the virtual routers and you can say, I want the highest priority given to whatever meeting solution you are using to deliver that speech or that talk or that conference call. The minute the call's done, you can change that routing right back because it's virtual, because you have automation, because you have control. You change the system back quickly. So you don't impact your network for the rest of the month, just that one time period when that one critical call is there. And then the other side, when we're talking about physical hardware and we have to walk around and update the physical hardware, it becomes arduous to a degree. Now we can connect to the physical hardware, but we have to connect to the physical hardware a little differently than we would with virtual hardware. And if you think about a virtualized network framework, it's a lot easier to update all those network components if they're virtual than it is when they are attached physically to the network. All right. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. And let's switch over and talk about use cases. Do you have any use cases to share You know, when it comes to agencies transitioning from stage one to stage two? And once again, we'll start with Brett. This one I will defer to Scott, unless he would like me to speak about some of them. He actually probably has the most direct experience with the customers being one of our solution architects who works with them every day. All right. Perfect. Scott, would love your take. Yeah. Well, I actually just gave you a use case in the previous example, you know, rerouting and rebuilding and restructuring Office 365 or Google G Suite traffic to better support meetings. 
The other components and the other things you can do is you can begin to take a look at network resilience. You can use SQN as a network resilience factor. And Brett actually mentioned early on, you know, the concept of LTE or 5G backup. You can also add those components or another use case to increase the overall resilience of your network. You create multiple connections to your site. That's, you know, obviously a very good use case. The other use case which is more actually business focused is that you can ultimately reduce the overall cost of your solution. If you're working with a partner like Verizon, you can you move the color of the money as well. So you're going to spend less over the course of a year and you're going to move the color of money. And when I say that you're moving it from CapEx to OpEx and, you know, CapEx is an expenditure upfront. And then depending upon how your agency or organization handles the CapEx costing, it's either a three to five year amortization of that cost. The problem is at the end of the five years, you've got to buy it again. And many organizations, you know, try to stretch that to seven, nine, 10 years. And that's not always the wisest course of action. It is something that is done. But if you move that to the newer, the model presented by NAS, you're moving to OPEX. So the transition from a business perspective from CapEx to OpEx is a very interesting transition that occurs with this automation and this growth area and all of what you can do. So that's a couple of use cases. I'll hold up there for now. All right, Actually, perfect. One that, if that's all right, Matt. Sure, yeah. Scott does an excellent job illustrating. I just thought I'd hit on security because I think that's one that we haven't hit just yet. And many government customers are very interested in securing their networks these days with recent SolarWinds attacks and all of that good stuff. So Again, the movement from basic to enhanced, right? You're going to be moving likely from antivirus on each of your endpoints to endpoint detection and response, which is a very logical step to take, but actually rather revolutionary. So with antivirus, basically what you're going to get is an alert. Hey, something looks fishy in your system, right? (laughs) More or less. Endpoint detection response moves that to, okay, system sees something looks fishy and automatically takes action to remove it from your machine, right? So The challenge that you have with your endpoints is that the people using them are your users. And for most of them, they might not have a background in mitigating those sorts of threats. So if you can automate that and make it faster, right, through the automation, that actually insulates your network quite well. And then the other couple of things I mentioned, right, if you had a firewall in basic and now you've added a next generation firewall, for example, with intrusion detection system or intrusion prevention system, You've gone from looking at just where is your traffic coming from and where is it going, which is important, right? You still need to look at that to what are the contents of your traffic, right? Should this be blocked or should it not be blocked based on the contents, not just where it came from or where it's going? So that's quite a revolution as well when it comes to security. And we see, obviously, government customers very interested in those things. Awesome. Awesome. Well, really appreciate you all sharing your insights in the first in really this three-part podcast series. And for this particular episode, before we sign off, any final thoughts? And we'll go with Brett first. Sure. Thanks, Matt. Just to be totally clear, many of our customers have progressed beyond the basic network to an efficient network or even a higher level network, but many still have aging components that are hindering their advancement. So some basic aging components are still a part of almost all networks, even if you have moved on to an efficient or a higher level network for the most part. So is still a challenge we see, not just a reference case. Okay. Scott, any parting shots? Well, I actually, to build on Brett's case, I can't believe I forgot security. Thanks for catching that, Brett. You know, one of those, gosh, I went through my use cases and completely blew off security. Um, but when we talk about 
the value proposition of not only endpoint detection, but also, you know, the broader security capacity you can get as you move up the stack. There are more and more and more and more options. And, and Brett covered quite a few in his introduction. And if this is not just, you know, I've consolidated all my logs with Splunk, and now, you know, I've got all my logs in one place. And Splunk's a great tool. I'm not making fun of Splunk. I'm simply stating it's more than that, right? It's more than just endpoint protection. It's the ability to provide an overall end-to-end view. So literally, as we move to the mobile device era, which is kind of right, we're like right on the edge of that cliff and about to jump, where the mobile device is going to be more and more what we use, and it's going to be less and less of laptops and desktops. So it's the guy talking to you from his laptop. But, you know, that's an example of building a podcast, not necessarily building a network. As we head down that mobile future, right, you've got this concept of end-to-end security. And that's where I can say I am able to protect the end device. I am able to secure the end device because sadly, and you know, Verizon publishes what we call the Data Breach Incident Reporter, DBIR. We publish that every year. Last year, man in the middle attacks, and that, pardon me, is kind of sexist, should be person in the middle attacks. Person in the middle attacks were the number one reason. More than 50% of all the attacks on the internet were person in the middle attacks. You know, we all get them, we all see them. But as we look at the security portfolio going forward, as we look at that holistic view of security that we want to be able to provide, that end-to-end capability becomes really powerful. I know what Matt's device is doing, and I know what Brett's device is doing, and we don't track Scott because he's too annoying. But I know what Matt and Brett are doing right now, and I can protect and secure their traffic, their applications, and their interactions with our servers. All right. Well, awesome. Yeah, no, this is great. This concludes the first episode of the Network as a Service Journey podcast series hosted on Government Technology Insider, where Brett Bargans, who is a product manager at Verizon, and Scott Anderson, who is a distinguished solution architect, discuss the first phase of an agency's NAS journey. And Brett and Scott, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Matt. Thanks.